Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The boyhood dream has come true! All of you! to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads get ready to rage inside the cage known as hell. In a cell, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back several decades earlier, looking ahead to a cage to be raged in, in the new generation era of World Wrestling Federation. And who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, with the mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Jackie, how you doing? Hiya, Tom. What did I call you yesterday? A uh, twat. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> What mon- a mistake. What moniker did I go? Oh, what did you call me yesterday? Uh, Florida. You called me, you called Tom, me Florida. Was, it was Tommy Florida. Tommy Florida. Then you went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you, know, you did it yesterday and you did it on the last show. You went, Tommy Florida? And you went, no, no, no. I'm, I'm losing it. You're fine, mate. You've got loads of... Did, now, now, we've got <laughs> wrestling to talk about at some point. Oh, but fine. no one's here for that. So no. It's fine. Uh, let's get you up to date on the world of Jackie Orlando. Did you have a lovely time back in the motherland? I did. Liverpool. It was, yeah, it was really good. Yeah? It was really good. There was lovely weather. I went down the prom. I had a good chippy tea. Uh, I saw all my friends. There was a wedding. There was a Liverpool Cup win. And then we came out. Wow. Would that be the best weekend? It was up there, yeah. Wow. It was, uh, <laughs> it was up there. What a smashing weekend. Yeah. I, um, I, I came up with something new to annoy Sean as well. Oh, did you? Um, so, Sean, your partner, is uh, the love of your life, the yeah. ugly ride. But like me and Alex, my partner, there's just something fun about annoying him. Oh, God, yeah. That's what I live for. Mm. So, last week, I tweeted this out as well. I remembered the hand boning as a thing. So, where you <laughs> rhythmically drum on yourself. Is that what it's called? But you're using your arms and stuff, and it looks like you're trying to swat away moths. Is that called hand boning? Hand boning, because you made wow. it on your hand bone. So I said to Sean, I was like, I'm getting into hand boning. Showed her a video of some hand boning, and she was like, no, you're not. Get <laughs> it looks like somebody trying to find where they put their keys yeah. very quickly. But rhythmically. But rhythmically. So Sean's not having it. 15 minutes into a, a, a three-hour and 45-minute <laughs> car journey, I just sit there and just go, hey, Sean. And she's like, I'm concentrating. I'm just like, handbone time. <laughs> and she's like, I will fucking crash this car if you do not stop. 
<laughs> I don't see why you didn't love hand boning for all the journey down to Liverpool. Well, on on the Sunday, I went over into the city centre to see my friends for coffee and she went and saw her mum and sister and afterwards she's like I told my mum about hand boning and she, she, she wonders if you're alright and I was like I can't help the fact that I am a, a, a percussive genius in the vein of Tito Puente so there we go you're an artiste mate yeah and you, you can't be denied my art is annoying people <laughs> so well look the hand boning is always welcome here Good. For the, for the people watching on the Patreon, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, You've got some hand-boning for, you, <laughs> for your money's worth this month. You lucky devils. Talking of hand-bones, how are you? Hi, mate. My, that was a terrible link. My <laughs> ham is boned. Um, we had disaster in the house last night. Oh, God. Dis- absolute disaster. Shaving my beard, right? Tidying up my beard. And I knock the, you know, the number settings on the razors? Yeah. I'm doing a, I'm doing a steady seven. And I accidentally flip and knock it to three. And it just goes vroom, on the side of my face. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. All I wanted to do was just tidy it. Like, make it a little bit neater on the sides. Consequently, I had to shave it within an inch of its life. Um, I've managed to salvage a fair amount of it, which I'm quite pleased by. Um, it wasn't looking good for a bit. This, If you look very carefully, if you look very carefully, this side is much lighter than this side. <laughs> I think you look younger. I'm beginning to think I look younger. Yeah. Which is, but having said that, the one thing I've noticed about this now more youthful look that I am sporting is that this particular version of the beard, because I've had the beard for a while. Yeah. Like I've always just sort of trimmed the hedge. I've never pulled the hedges out. Um, so it's been sort of cultivated for a while. And a lot of this is coming through fresh or coming through new. And I'm noticing I'm a little bit more salt and pepper. Salt and Pepper's here, to quote the band. <laughs> salt and Pepper's here! Salt and Pepper's here, working up a sweat as I do getting upstairs these days. It's a real indicator. I, 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 I think I spotted one grey hair when I was 33. Yeah. Like, and it was on my chest. I was like, doing. I was like, oh, I've got one grey hair. That's fine. And I'm just a little bit salt and peppery here. So I think uh, my, my status as the cultaholic elder statesman uh, has been uh, furthered by what could potentially be a bit of a grey beard coming through. But the thing is, you are young of heart. And there's only a couple of years between me and you, but Mm. in terms of heart age, I'm easily 40 years older (laughs) than you. (laughs) I mean, I hold on to that. Yeah, I'd like to be a a youthful little shite, at least until my 50s. Then I might calm down a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Well, at least, though, the good thing is you had an accident, an accident, a beard trimming mishap on your cheek. I did it once on my chin. Oh, no. And I just cut the whole thing off and had a handlebar moustache. Oh, <laughs> wow. Are there pictures of Jackie Orlando maybe, with a handlebar moustache? Maybe. It was about, it was a good, I must have been 19 or 20. So. Oh, please dig them out for next time. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. I want pictures of Jackie Orlando with a handlebar moustache. It was... Elegant? It wasn't elegant. How old would you have been when you had the handlebar? About 19 or 20. Yeah. I think. So what year would that have been? Oh, God. Old man, 33. Uh, <laughs> 2008, 9? Okay. Was that was Hulkamonia running wild in some capacity in 08, 09? No, I don't think so. It was in my heart. Yeah, it was in all Because I didn't realise that. 
the man behind the kid was an arsehole <laughs> at that point. We so. still thought he was a, he was a, a fun vitamin-taking prayer saying. I, mean, I thought the vitamins were bassard soft and chewy vitamins, take one a day. But I, apparently they weren't. I thought they were Flintstones vitamins. Oh, God. But no. 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 Drugs, uh, allegedly. <laughs> that's not for. That's for another time. That is for another time. So uh, that's that's for like 1999 on the classic review. Oh, <laughs> We've got God. many years to go yet. I was suggested a goatee last night because I put my thing my my plight onto Twitter. A few people suggested goatee, and and I just no, I just I I'm I'm up for trying a new look. Yeah. Someone suggested a goatee. Somebody suggested a mustache. I don't think I could do either. At time of recording, I'm going to see my family uh, the coming weekend. By the time this goes out, it's, I, I'm back now. Yeah. Um, but it's my nephew's birthday. And it's a birthday party, and I was I like the idea of going with the beard. I certainly couldn't go to a birthday party with a with a mustache. Like oh, that. you could. Oh, I don't know. I'll be good. Oh, not not for people I've never met before. It would. I know. <laughs> That's fine. You just be like, I'm Tom. My thing is, I've got a mustache. Everyone's like, look at that. <laughs> oh, we like him. <laughs> look at that dynamic man. <laughs> I like to think that they'll see me rocking up to the birthday party and all the mums will go, oh, look at that dynamic man. <laughs> oh, he's got an air of Tom Selleck about him. <laughs> oh, that's true, actually. Tom Selleck did pull off the mustache. Let, let's, right. Shaggers, shaggers with mustaches. Shaggers and mustaches. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts. <laughs> Uh, um, my Ian, dad in my dad in the in the seventies. My dad in the eighties. Ian Rush and that's it. <laughs> Ian so, Rush. So David Seaman. David Seaman. David Seaman had a lovely moustache. Yeah. Um, uh, Timoth- former England goalkeeper. Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Timothy Mallet. Timothy Mallet. I don't think he can even grow pubes, let alone a moustache. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say allegedly, but there's no alleged about it. Me, what have one- you seen his pubic thatch? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there because that, <laughs> that oh, could no. be libelous. Oh, not, not another one. Um, okay, f- uh, feel free to hit us up with your shaggers with mustaches. Are <laughs> <laughs> the usual outlets uh, at, uh, at Brat Atkins on Twitter, at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Shaggers with mustaches. Um, I still can think of one shagger, sometimes with a mustache. Go on. Birthday boy today. For this is now. Now, p- permit me, is the birthday. On the day of the podcast going out, yes, it is. I wasn't sure if it was the day before or after. We would like to wish a very special. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. It's been a minute since I read the tweet, but I'm saying yes. We'll say yes, and if it's not, we're wrong. Either way, what what better reason to celebrate? John Eiley. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday to Photoshop, John Eiley. John, Photoshop yourself a cake and some candles and blow them out. Have a lovely birthday to Photoshop John Eiley. Do take time. Do you know what? This is even funnier if today isn't exactly his birthday. That's even funnier. Yeah. Just besiege John Eiley with happy birthday tweets. (laughs) At John Eiley on Twitter. J-O-H-N-I-L-E-Y. Happy birthday, John. It doesn't matter when you listen to it, if you're listening to this in November 2025. Say an happy birthday to John. You know how I sometimes get on me high horse about, look, if you're going to message me about something from the podcast, Mm. like we do so many of these stupid fucking things, Um, give me a little bit of like a timestamp or an episode date, just some context. Yes. So I know what you're throwing at me and I can go, oh yeah, I remember we did it then. I'm normally a bit of a stickler for context. Not for this. Fuck it. No context. Whenever you're listening to this, whatever year you're listening to this, go on Twitter if it still exists. At John Eiley. Happy birthday, John. <laughs> Anytime. 
I think we should celebrate John Arley's birthday all year round. Yes. It should be like the Queen's Jubilee. <laughs> you are our Queen's Jubilee, John Eiley. Oh, I wish it could be Eiley's birthday every day. Oh, I wish it could be Eiley's birthday every day. <laughs> oh, the second week in a row we've done a Christmas song. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, that, well, well this no. one's definitely it. Fright Height is just Christmas by association, like uh, East 17, stay another day. <laughs> nothing about by association. Nothing, nothing about East 17, stay another day says Christmas, apart from the fact that we're in... Parkers and there's a bell. The bells, the jingle bells yeah. at the end. Little Mix did something similar with their song "Nothing Like You." I didn't uh, know that. Oh, one. so "Love Me Like You." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they had the normal version of the song, but then at Christmas they just put jingle bells over it, like you cheats. Yeah, you grifters. <laughs> and I like Little Mix, but you grifters, <laughs> don't you dare make another song. It's funny because they've now retired. So because I'm telling you, don't make another song. Yeah. Until you're ready to not retire anymore. Come back for, do a Christmas version of Black Magic, because Black Magic is a banger. Oh. 364 days of year. Time to claim Christmas for yourselves. Yeah. All the girls in the block knocking at my door. <laughs> Didn't know what it is. Didn't know what for. That'd be nice, that. Yeah. I met Little Mix, did I tell you? No. Met Little Mix. As the, as the trio or the quad? The quartet. And were they... Lovely? They were lovely. Yeah. It was uh, the radio station I used to work at. We were moving into a new building. So they had like a very special like opening night for uh, advertisers and company execs and stuff like mm. that. So we were allowed along as well as, as, uh, as, as presenters, as low-life presenters. And uh, Little Mix performed in the breakout area. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. They got changed in one of the spare studios and they went out and performed. And then, uh, and, and they were lovely. I, I think I probably had about three or four words of conversation with them, and they were very nice. Hello, that was good. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> that was three or four. I think uh, then they went into Metro Radio, where Alex used to work, my good lady used to work, and she'll always remember she had a very brief conversation with Jade, which is basically just Jade going, Yari, love. <laughs> like, and, and since then, Alex is like, Jade's lovely. I'll let her about her about Jade. She said, uh, she, she Salt called the me yeah. Salt, yeah. She called me love. She called me love. Mm. But that's Little Mix. So I'm glad that we've touched on Little Mix today. Yep. In 1996. <clears throat> so, 1990 mix. Yeah. Oh! Uh, uh, this is going to be good. He's oh. on. He's on today. And in a minute, John Eiley is going to talk us through uh, this week's wrestling news from The Observer. <laughs> John Eiley will. Is that called John Eiley? <laughs> Happy birthday, John. Happy get, birthday, John! You, you get to be me. <laughs> John, that's awful. make yourself Jack Atkins. Don't. You, there's no coming back from it. You'd be permanently scarred. Anyway. This, uh, right, right, in a few minutes' time, Peter Beardsley is going to talk <laughs> us through. <laughs> I had a good stare. I had a good stare at the uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Dog dirt. Dog dirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very shortly, uh, Jackie Orlando is going to have a look at the Wrestling Observer for us for this week and give you a uh, picture of the landscape of the world of wrestling for this week, January 29th, 1996. Uh, let me give you some real world bollocks before we get started. Number one movie in America, Mr. Holland's Opus. 
couldn't even tell you who's in that. I know the name, but no. Uh, it stars Stephen. Oh, it's directed by Stephen Herrick, uh, and uh, stars Richard Dreyfus okay. uh, as Glenn Holland, a dedicated high school music teacher who attempts to compose his own music while struggling to balance his job and his life with his wife and his profoundly deaf son. Uh, the cast also includes uh, Glenn Headley, Olympia Dukakis, William H Macy, and Jay Thomas. Uh, it's not one of those movies that has really stood the test of time, but but critically very well received yeah. in 1996. Early 96 as well, so that's Oscar bait, isn't mm, it? Yeah, oh, it's very much Oscar bait. Uh, Leaving Las Vegas is still number one in the UK. Okay. Still a big fan of the cage. Um, US number one. Is it Sweet Sweet Mariah Carey? It is Sweet Sweet Mariah Carey with One Sweet Day. Still hanging on in there. Uh, the UK number one, Babylon Zoo oh. and Spaceman. Oh. Spaceman, I always wanted you to go into Spaceman, intergalactic cry. That was the bit that we all remember, and then it all slows down, and then it's like, ground control, and we all went, oh, this isn't as good as the squeaky bit. We yeah. just want the squeaky bit. Because it was all, it was a Levi's ad, wasn't it? And it just comes in with just a bit of drum and bass and this, ah, oh, fucking, I remember it coming out, and everyone just went, this is amazing. Mm. And, uh, I just whenever I think of Jazz Man from Babylon Zoo, I remember um, was it on Brass Eye where he says, "I think in time I will become a genius." <laughs> just Chris Morris sets him up to look like a twat. But yeah, Spaceman, the first yeah, the first thirty seconds and the last thirty seconds are amazing. The middle, you know, it's it's, it's an alright angsty rock song, but it was just. Doomed to fail after that strong intro. What I did was, because I was a bit of a radio geek, even at this point in 1996, where I would have been 12, 11 years old, mm-hmm. I was just about to turn 12, um, I had a, a tape player where you could sort of record two separate separate tapes, and I knew how to speed it up and slow it down and stuff. So I did it, so basically I had my own version of that Babylon Zoo song, Space Band, where it was high-pitched all the way through. Oh, cool. This was it? Was it an improvement? A far improvement. <laughs> that was what we were all there for. That was the money. Because it was it was a weird gauge in the nineties, wasn't it? Basically, whatever music was on a Levi's ad would go huge. Oh God, yeah, the power of a Levi's. Because later on, you'd get um, Mr. Wazo with Flatbeat, which I still love. Uh, my mate AJ out there is a big Wazo fan, and we still still love a bit of Flat Eric. So yeah, I remember Flat Eric. He was the the teddy bear, not the teddy bear. It was the puppet in yeah. the car. Just. Bouncing his head. Yeah, the power of a Levi's ad. Like the Levi's ads, the John Lewis ads, always had like a special power to them. Do you still get that now, do you think? Where like a commercial still has that power? See, I hate the John Lewis ads. Because at least with the Levi's ads, they may have been wanky, but they'd still show a bastard wearing jeans. John Lewis is just like, ah, John Lewis. It's like, what are you selling, John Lewis? As there's an upset, there's an upset marmoset who wants to wh- wants to build a treehouse for his for his brother. Yeah, but watch yourself, John Lewis. Ah, you know he's crying. <laughs> the shit adverts. There's one advert out at the moment, and it's a woman in a house, and all of a sudden the ground starts moving, and the house starts turning upside down. I saw that. So yeah. she climbs th- up the garden as it's descending, mm. and she jumps over the side of it, and there's another house on the other side, and she slides all the way down. And uh, and as this is watching this in the cinema, and Alex and I are going, what do we think this is advertising? And Alex said, I'm going to say right move. 
I said, I'm going to say Ikea. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was home insurance. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Could have been anything. But yeah. Coca-Cola. Because I I had the conversation once because I was saying that I hate car adverts the most. And um, my friend's kind of stepdad used to be in advertising and he hates perfume adverts because he says they're so wanky. But it's like, how do you sell a fragrance? You can't say sniff your TV. Whereas with car adverts for a while, there was the one, remember it turned to a transformer and it danced on the ice. Yeah! And at the bottom it says, this car can't do this. And it was like, well, this is a shit advert then. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> so if you've got a tangible product, show the product, be a bit sexy with it. But um, that, is, a, that is the challenge of selling a perfume, isn't it? Yeah. That's why you do get the adverts of like, she is a monkey, but she is also move. Yeah. She will walk in the night. She will kiss you under the docks. Um, like, okay, cool. Because even like the high art Guinness adverts of the nineties always involved someone necking a pint of Guinness at some point. So, was did they kind of uh, sort of turn that into the idea of they they leaned into the idea of waiting? Yes, because a Guinness you have to wait to pour for a certain amount of time for it to taste the best. Like you can't just quickly pour a Guinness, you've got to mm. pour it slowly. So all the adverts were about the idea of waiting. Like you had the, the guys who were waiting for the wave. Oh, I was amazing. Here's advert. the UA Harbour. Yeah. And uh, and the horses were yeah. on the waves and stuff like that. So I quite like how they turned that in. But yeah, you still want to see them at some point. Oh, what a lovely Guinness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a lovely product. Yeah. It's all we want is just to tell the product. Um, the American Music Awards okay. was on this weekend as well. Right. Michael Jackson won Best Male Artist in 1996. Mariah Carey won Best Female because she's just hogged the chart. Be rude if she didn't. Uh, (laughs) Eagles winning Best Band in the pop rock category and for Best Album for Hell Freezes Over. In 1996? Yeah. I like the Eagles, but considering the music scene in 1996, I was... That's surprising. Funny you talk about how artists late on are winning awards and how strange it is because the big talking point from the American Music Awards in 1996 was somewhat connected to that. Oh. Right? Garth Brooks won Artist of the Year in 1996, but he refused it. Right. He said, it wasn't fair for me to walk away with that award when he was interviewed for the LA Times. Maybe a year or two ago, when we had a really good year, but I've been around the country talking to retailers and every one of them credits Hootie and the Blowfish for keeping them alive. The record labels and the retailers in 1995, and I couldn't agree more. I think they should have won. And they were in the category for Artist of the Year. Yeah. They didn't win. Garth Brooks won. Ah. And he said it should have gone to Hootie and the Blowfish. So it went to the next artist down, which was TLC, yeah. to which they went, yeah, that's fine, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine with that. Thank you very much, Jess. <laughs> it was the same thing for years. Be a dick, Hootie. Wasn't it with... Um... It wasn't Francis Ford Coppola. Martin Scorsese had never won one. And then when he did win one, we were like, ah, oh, he shouldn't have won it for this film, but, you know, it's about time. And same with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, ah, oh, you know, you're just kind of waiting for it. So there is a lot of politics to awards, isn't there? You mentioned the directors just then. I remember something I was going to tell you when we started. Oh, go on. I had a, I had a, a good hour in bed on <laughs> <laughs> just the one good hour. I think last <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> it, it would not be an. It would not be an hour. Um, it's just madness. You die. Uh, <laughs> um, Alex was in bed, and I just went down the rabbit hole of watching commercials starring Orson Welles. Oh my god! 
because somebody somebody photoshopped him onto a box of cereal and I was like that could have feasibly happened because he did advertise some toss so like I obviously watched the outtakes of the uh, oh, Paul, Paul Masson yeah Paul Masson <laughs> he's, just, he's pissed ah oh, he's yeah. French exceptional makers of wine Paul Masson is cut what <laughs> But have, have, it's just great. Have you watched the fittest advert though? He's like, mm, this heavenly bodied poor Masson wine. It's incomprehensible, but he's just like, Orson Welles likes a wine. <laughs> he loves a wine. The other point, he did loads of poor Masson adverts. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, the like poor Masson does not sell a drop of wine until it's time. The slogan I look And most of them are intelligible. But then, like, he do stuff like, like, I've had a really good night. I won on the board game. And it was just like a, like a, like a, it was like a role-playing Dungeons & Dragons-style board game that he was flogging. Oh. And then there was one who was just like, I understand the importance of perfection. And that's why the Casio photocopier... <laughs> are you kidding me? He's selling a photocopier! Like, I was like, I showed Alex some of these, and she went, that's really sad that he has to what he has to do these i can't remember what tv show it was a couple of years ago there's an animation i enjoyed i for the, i can't i can't have enjoyed it that much because i can't remember what it was but there was just a recurring thing where like awesome wells would advertise anything he's like mm, these peas are delicious awesome <laughs> <laughs> wells advertising frozen peas oh that was a real thing apparently there was a real what was it? there was a real thing where there's outtakes from the commercial uh where like, he's having a fallout with the director because he's trying to voice his Frozen Peas advert and he's really not having a good time with the director. It's a fucking Frozen Peas advert. <laughs> it's amazing. I think he was a real one. Because, um, yeah, I only knew Paul Masson. I didn't know about the rest. Paul Masson. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's loads of shit. There's yeah. this one where he's advertising a, 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 a camera, a, dig, like a disposable camera. <laughs> There's one where he's advertising uh, a video player. Like, he's just any old shite for Orson Welles by the end. It's like, but the wine ones were always special because you could tell, like, he'd, he'd sampled the goods for about an hour before each one. Yeah, because you meant to spit it out between takes, aren't you? And he was just necking it. Just <laughs> knocking them back. What a boy. It's like one of his last ever roles was the original animated Transformers movie. I think it was either the last role. Yeah, it's Unicron. Was, oh, no, it's Unicron. He's like, oh, oh. <laughs> these planets are delicious. <laughs> Pissed giant robot planet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awesome. Ah, the French Transformers. He's great. Well, well, that was a lovely, anyway, that was a lovely evening in bed Alex and I had. <laughs> um, <laughs> at which point she said, why are you watching these? <laughs> It's like she said it's eleven o'clock. I was like, we both got to be up at half five. I, said, I know, but I just feel like I need to watch them all now. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll go to bed feeling like I'm incomplete. I have to watch them all now. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Duke Newton 3D. Oh fuck off! You you fuck off! Oh you fuck off! Oh you fuck off! Oh, fuck off. Uh, d- released for MS DOS this week. Oh. Crikey. Uh, still to this day holds an aggregate score on Metacritic of 89 out of 100. Just fucking great. It's fucking amazing. Game. Well, well, that's where that's come full circle because did you see the news last week that the, is it the 1999 version of Duke Nukem Forever has been found and it's going to get leaked soon? Yeah. So it's, like, it's going to be put on like an abandoned wear website or yeah. something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, if if you're it's not exciting. if you're not following on Twitter Dan Douglas he's making his 
Oh, what's it? Duke Smoochum. He's making a, basically a British version of Duke Nukem. It's incredible. It's the best. And just all like, the like, weird like little things. Like, like, yeah, it's like you've just got all these little UK towns and cities. Like there's a little... There's, I've seen clips of like a, a, a pigeon walking out of a Tesco Extra. Yeah. Like things like that. He, he, he did one last week where you click on a laptop and it's obviously, you know, normal men, innocent men, but in, <laughs> but in Duke Nukem and just stuff like that. So, oh God, I love Duke Nukem. So this uh, this was the week it came out in 1996. Oh, what a good week. Uh, the day before Monday Night Raw, it was the American Open men's tennis. Okay. Uh, Boris Becker won. Who did he beat? Beat Michael Chang. 6-2, Okay. Good result for them. Well done, Boris. Um, the, the surprise, that, well, I'm going to say Raw lucky that it's been moved to, it was on the Sunday, not the Monday, because mm. Raw would have been preempted for the tennis. We did a thing on the SmackDown review a few weeks ago where they did uh, a study into audiences. And um, it was understood from this study <clears throat> that the people that watched wrestling were normally lower educated. The result of this study, people who watch wrestling are normally lower educated and have less income, whereas people that watch tennis and consume tennis have a higher income and have a higher education. Which is why Raw always got uh, moved for the tennis, and the dog even though show. dog show as well, and it? the dog yeah. show. Because even though the fact that the audience was lower, they could charge advertisers more to be on on that Monday night because they were of a higher. They could yeah. say, "Well, look, you know, this is the the clientele that you're now serving." Despite the fact that the viewers were lower, they made more money on advertising when it was the dog show or when it was the open. Because wrestling fans are stupid, dumb. Ha. Yeah, because apparently I, I always find it weird that if like Wimbledon's on and like it says around side, ooh, Rolex, you know, because it's going for that higher price bracket. But you'd assume <laughs> why we've got RC. Look at this. Look at this toy car. Karate fighters. <laughs> but like karate fighters, if you don't know what karate fighters is, then that needs advertising. Everyone knows what a Rolex is. There's not some rich mm. person out there being like, Rolex? What is Rolex? <laughs> Thank you for telling me tennis. I'm going to go pay eight grand for a watch. It's, uh, yeah, weird. But I guess it's them. It's it's their brand being associated with higher earners. That's yes, the whole thing yeah. of a Rolex. The whole thing of owning a Rolex, isn't it? It's a show, it's a showcase of like I'm yeah. doing all right, me. That's why you wear a Rolex to an important business meeting because then the person you're having business with, well, he must be doing all right. He's got a Rolex. I mean, he's naked, unshaven, <laughs> and he smiles, but he's got a Rolex. <laughs> he's got a Rolex on, so we will <laughs> sign contract for money. I just described Ric Flair, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Bless him. <laughs> he's wrestling again in a bit. That's exciting. I know. For, for some people. Well, Aiden told me yesterday, he's like, yeah, it's it's Ric Flair and FTR versus the Rock and Roll Express and Ricky Steamboat. And I went, that sounds fucking mint. <laughs> I was like, it's probably going to be shite, but Steamboat's pulled out. Steamboat he? has pulled out since then. I mean, obviously, now we're a few days on when you're watching this, so who knows what else could have happened there. Yeah. I like Rick's training video uh, with Jay Lethal. It's very, very um, experimental footage because it was shot in slow motion. <laughs> I can't wait for you to do a headlock in every chant. You still got it. Because <laughs> he hasn't shat his pants. That bit was from Righteous Reg on Vital, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Righteous Reg. <laughs> hey, he did a headlock without shitting his pants and everyone chanted, you still got it. <laughs> okay. Um, that's all the real world news that I've got on the docket. Let's go over to the rambunctious Jackie Orlando, sometimes known as John Eiley. Happy birthday, John. <laughs> Happy birthday, John. <laughs> For what is happening in the world of the wrestling this week. Well, 
like all good things, must come starts, to an end. It starts with Antonio Bastard and Oki. Fucking yes! Remember last week, Inoki was like, hey, Vincent Van Eric Bischoff, get here. <laughs> and they were both like, oh, okay, oh, can we kind of keep your arm's length? Well, <laughs> go over there, please. So for the first time in the history of wrestling, nearly every major wrestling promotion in the United States, Japan, and Mexico have come to an agreement to combine for a show tentatively titled the World Wrestling Festival on May 18th. Woo! Currently planned either for the LA Sports Arena or the LA Memorial Coliseum. It's put together by Anoki and Steve Nakada, who's the executive director of the Japan-US Sports Federation. And at press time on, you know, in January 96... This is from the newsletter dated February the 5th, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, they have verbal or written agreements to participate from the WWF, WCW, AAA, CMLL, and New Japan. So Inoki said to him, come on, that's... This is huge. Yeah. So it was well known that obviously CML, AAA, and New Japan would be game for it. It was expected WCW would be because they've got a working agreement with New Japan. But what happened was... Even though Inoki asked to meet with Vince, Nakada had met with Linda McMahon and got her to agree to put a match on the same stage as their rivals. It's also expected that UWF, uh, UWFI uh, will also reach an agreement. So they're trying to get everyone in. They're trying to get all Japan in. They're trying to get Bull Nakano versus Akira Hokuto. Uh, the expected main event will be a rematch of Inoki versus Vader from the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> so... If you thought Gorilla Bond Zoom slap fuck out of him, <laughs> wait till it no. Big Chin wrong. Tony, fucking good it. Fucking Big Chin Tony. So the show at time of press was meant to be the headline event of a three day international festival, which will also include a world food world food festival ah and international entertainment activities similar to the North Korean one. So oh no, yeah, <clears throat> they're, they're trying to do that again. Inoki has already gone. Oh, it's going to be all right. So next year, in 1997, I want the 130,000 seater Azteca Stadium in Mexico. Do you know what I really like is you read out whenever you read um, quotes from Inoki, like he just becomes a scouse <laughs> because it's not even that you read the quote. You go, all right, lads, all right, come on in. We'll have a fork and fight. <laughs> Despite being Japanese, Antonio Inoki is the scousest man that's ever lived. <laughs> He just turns up places and he just goes, who wants to fight your gang of fannies? <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then Famous quote from Inoki! Who wants to fight your gang of fannies? And then someone would be like, hey, Antonio, have you heard this? There's a solid gold car outside. He's like, I'm having that. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Inoki, honorary scouse. So... <laughs> So already, before before Elephant's been signed 96, he's planned the 97 event and 1998 in Cuba. So he met with Castro last week and Castro... <laughs> I like how casually we say that now. So they chat with Castro. It's because Inoki's a lunatic. <laughs> when, you know, to some people, meeting Fidel Castro would be an amazing milestone moment. For Inoki, it was Tuesday. And as birthday boy John Eilley pointed out, we forgot about the fact that Inoki once, like, negotiated with Saddam Hussein <laughs> Let's to we... get hostages released. How would he have negotiated? How would how would Scouse Inoki have done it? Saddam, lad, come on. <laughs> we've all We've all been a bit mad. But let's just remember why we're here. This is happening in his spoons, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's bought, um, you know, it's, he's, he's gone for a beer and a burger night. It's happening in the Rev on Albert Dock. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so they're in Revs. They've been, they've been the Blue Angel. And then, 
So he'd just be like, give your head a wobble, Saddam. Sort it out. And Sam be like, yeah, fair, yeah. <laughs> so lad. the way they've kind of conned Linda McMahon into this is they promise to treat all promotions and wrestlers equally with the same, you know, equal billing. You know, everyone's going to be on the same foot and no one promotion's going to win. And according to those close to the project, Nakada will attempt to raise money for the project through the business community in Los Angeles. And he wants to use the profits from the show to open a wrestling school in LA. Linda McMahon was apparently impressed with the idea of being part of something of this type with community grassroots support because thinking, ah, oh, this could make pro wrestling look better in the US, make mm. WWF look better by association. Eric Bischoff was the only company head to hedge support saying, WCW will only be involved if the committee promises to treat WCW and WWF on equal bastard footing. <laughs> I looked it up. In reality, WWF don't attend, nor do ECW or All Japan. It ends up being WCW, CMLL, AAA, NWA, New Japan, Michinoku Pro, and All Japan Women's. It was 5,964 attended, and there was no follow-up event. <laughs> the poster was just Inoki. Of course. Uh, and the main event was Inoki and Dan Severin going over Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Oleg Tartarov. Okay. So... Yeah. I mean, it's not quite an Oki Vader, as what I think they were hoping for. Well, by the time it'll go ahead, because they were hoping for May, but it'll go ahead in June. Right. WWF said, we've got Vader now. And Inoki's like, I hate bastard Vader! <laughs> I knew when he was not. I've already fucking booked him. I'm going to break his leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Bit of WCW news. Okay. Just to show how paranoid everything is, at a recent WCW show in Canton, the fire alarm went off, brackets probably because of the pyro. And people immediately thought it was a dirty trick played by the WWF. Now, Bischoff, we'll talk about this on the Classic Night Review in a few weeks' time, but Bischoff claims on commentary that this is, you know, the work of Vince and his men, and Vince is not a happy boy about it, is oh, he? Oh, God, no. Yeah. But as Dave puts himself, if the reverse were to happen at a WWF show, the reaction would be the same. Be Vince saying, God damn, Ted Turner! Because yeah. it's Ted Turner, it's it's no one else. Definitely billionaire Ted, mm. and no Eric Bischoff. But good news for WWF, business is booming, in the words of Dave Meltzer. Um, and he's said, you got to attribute it to the return of Shawn Michaels. Everything else is basically a constant. Besides the Rumble, a live show in Fresno did a sellout of 9,500 with 8,000 paying. Uh, Stockton for Raw sold out nearly 3,000. San Jose with no TV sold out for superstars, 4,500. Uh, no, sorry, that's all for 4,500. But for superstars on January 24th, that did 3,000 out of a 3.5 capacity. So they just, and they've got a Madison Square Garden show, which did 15,000. Bloody hell. Um, basically, they're just they're building a bit of momentum. and Great result. Even Super Bowl Sunday, they ran in Philly and drew five and a half paid. And he said, the Philly figure is nothing special for the market, but phenomenal for when Super Bowl was on. So they're starting to get back into nice. it. Nice. That's good to see. I was worried about that mom and pop company, the WWF. Oh, we'll hear more about them later. But at most of these shows, you know, HBK went over Triple H. They'd first do a double D, uh, they first do a DQ finish due to Owen Hart interfering. But then Michael said he didn't come to do a DQ. Restart the match, him winning. Goes crazy all over the building, you know, hugging everyone. Everyone's like, ah, oh, Sean's great. And the headline matches have been breakfast, diesel in the cage, you know, warming up for In Your House. Uh, so, the, as Dave has put, the quality of the show is way up with far more heat than in years and rabid crowds, which include people hopping the rail and the show's getting more violent as well. 
So it's starting to become um, like the hot ticket again. But I like Shawn Michaels on the charm offensive. Yeah. I think, you know, coming into the era that we're coming into, it's very important that he does. Yeah, very important that he does. Talking about people on the charm offensive, Tatonka is telling people... <laughs> He's only back for three months and then will quit wrestling to get involved in another business with friends. I looked ahead. He will indeed leave in the spring after about three months. But as of 2021, he's still making WWE appearances. He still is. He still is. I have a bit of Tatanka news to hit you with in a little bit. Oh, Oh my gosh. we'll, We'll get to it when we get to the show. So a couple more quick bits. Remember the other week we were saying about there was a weird deal to maybe bring Sabu in and then the Sheik nearly buggered it up and... Yeah, you know, gonna, and then they, they kind of went a bit... Con- the concern was that Sabu, whilst they were saying the right things about presenting him in the Rumble ahead of the pay-per-view match with Taz yeah. at ECW, Heyman was, didn't buy it, uh, so therefore he didn't want him to do it at all. At all, because he was saying, yeah, I don't want anyone on pay-per-view. If promised pay-per-view providers, there'll be no one associated with WWF, etc. Mm-hmm. So what's the latest on that situation? So WWF officials are saying they never offered the Sheik three grand or a chance to go ringside with Sabu in the Rumble. But they do say the rest of the story was accurate. Mm. So they were officially trying to bring Sabu just in for a one-shot, eliminate himself by diving over the top onto some hapless jump through a table. But apparently... They were like, no, as if we give three grand to the Sheik. <laughs> we get, we're broke. Stop it. Sheiky baby, bless him. Not the Iron Sheik. This no, is the other Sheik. The original, the original Sheik. Sheik. The original Sheik. Talking of Sheiks, Stan Lane is gone. Um, that was terrible. Uh, uh, <laughs> Stan Lane is gone. Probably is he playing hide and Sheik? <laughs> He's probably been gone for a while and is now... Oh, we haven't noticed. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Imagine you've been sacked for months and no one said anything. I thought you are on holiday. Well, he, apparently he's living in Charlotte, selling cars and trying to get into the radio business, saying he doesn't want to have to, anything to do with pro wrestling. And I know he gets into, thanks to OSW Review, they mentioned that he, he ends up being like a power boating uh, commentator. Nice. And I think he does some stuff with uh, Ted DiBiase's, you know, Christian-based wrestling promotion. I'm sure he's doing even more now. Good old sweet Stan Lane. (laughs) And uh, one last bit. It is now expected that Jim Cornette will be moving to Connecticut within a month and become a full-time member of the booking committee. He probably is at this point in everything but name. Yeah, it'll take years off his life having to work within the machine, but it'll be fun to watch. Oh, God. The eruptions and the ructions that come from it. Yeah, and the uh, stories about certain... Producers with book teeth. (laughs) Which we'll get to in years to come. Let's go to Monday Night Raw for January the 29th, 1996. Ratings from last week. Uh, Raw getting a 2.9. Nitro 2.7. Okay. So this is a bounce back for Raw, who who suffered a a really tough loss the week before this. So great result for Monday Night Raw. Yeah, because I can imagine until WCW start their dominance, every... Raw Nitro after a pay-per-view, I can imagine, is bound to get a high rating. Mm. Oh, a yeah. higher rating. Yeah, when you're coming off a pay-per-view, it does tend to, yeah. to boost it a little bit as well. Uh, tonight, what a show. It's uh, going to be Shawn Michaels taking on Yoko Zuna and the British Bulldog facing Diesel. Plus, a huge announcement tonight, says Vince McMahon at the start. Who does he think he is? Tony Khan. Oh. Oh. 
Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Got a huge ass. This is huge. Shane's not here. Shane's not here. Funny joke. Um, Doc Hendricks and the Raw Band kick us off. Doc Hendricks is living his best life. Oh God! As a member of the Raw Band. Yes, he is. Um. They are positioned near the entrance, so throughout the night we'll see Doc bopping to restless theme tunes. <laughs> Lucky us, eh? Yeah. Uh, and we see it straight <laughs> off the bat as Diesel and the British Bulldog go one-on-one in our opening match. There's a great sign in the crowd uh, where somebody's drawn a big truck and they've cut a hole where there's a photo of Diesel <laughs> peeking out! <laughs> and Diesel, It's like a massive picture of Diesel's face. So he looks like he's just crushed inside this truck. <laughs> like his bones are broken having to sit in this truck. Like it's a child's toy truck. <laughs> yes! Bless him. He's fine, though. We've checked. Bulldog out here, and he works over Diesel's leg constantly as Yokozuna heads ringside to watch. Bulldog really being put over as a monster since that match in December with Bret Hart where there yeah. was just blood everywhere. They've really used that to sort of subtly put over the fact that actually Bulldog's really quite vicious. Yeah. And I like that they've leaned into that a little bit more. Because otherwise Bulldog was just like another baddie on the roster. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I was surprised though because you're saying it does become Bulldog just working over Diesel's knee but the first, the open exchange is Diesel batters him mm. before David Boy gets into the swing of it and like you said it is a more aggressive Bulldog and yeah, some nice, nice selling of the knee by Diesel as well. And it is, yeah, it is all Diesel uh, initially but then when Bulldog starts taking over he works the leg throughout the whole thing. Mm. Not a massively interesting match from here but technically it's an excellent strategy just yeah. to keep working over Diesel's leg. Um, Yoko clatters Diesel when the ref is distracted with Jerry Lawler suggesting that Michaels is too chicken to face Yokozuna later because like Michaels people are suggesting well, should Michaels have run out and attacked Yokozuna at this point because they've got a match later on but he didn't yeah. uh, Vince begins to plug after the break the WWF tour of India the Indian yeah. tour going to Bangalore and Bombay Jerry Lawler says quote we've got enough trouble with these Indian reservations, there's too much gambling on them. To which the to, to, to which Vince says, "No, we're not going to the Indian reservations. We're going to Bombay and Bangalore in India." Yeah, fuck. And Jerry's like, "Oh right, so that was uh, a good bit of uh, xenophobia." Yeah. Would you call it xenophobia? Yeah. Or just shit geography? It gets a bit weirder than that. So. The Observer says the WWF's tour of India did really well. Mm. Uh, on the 2nd of Feb and the 3rd of Feb, they did shows in Bombay and Bangalore, respectively, drawing 30,000 fans each night to cricket pitches outdoors. Yeah. Like, a great turnout. Would you like the card that these 30,000 fans each night had in Bombay and Bangalore, respectively? Hit me with that card. So it's the same card for both nights, I believe, but this is the Bangalore card. There might be a slight adjustments to Bombay, but... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> This is the Bangalore one. Opening match, Doink beats Zip. Doink's Great. back. I believe this will be the Steve Lombardi Doink. Yeah, so he's just there anyway. Ahmed Johnson beats Skip. Ooh! <laughs> Big O! Bart Gunn and Henry O. Godwin. Right. Beat Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Right. If only Henry Godwin had a tag partner. More on that later. Savio Vega defeats Isaac Yankum DDS. I'm starting to see a bit of a pattern here. <laughs> Razor Ramon defeats the one, two, three kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. The Undertaker defeats Gold Dust. Right, yeah, yeah. 
Diesel defeats Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Okay. And in the main event, Bret Hart defends successfully the WWF World Championship against Tatanka. It's almost native like, Indian Tatanka. It's all, it's almost like all the bad guys won, Tom. Mm. Uh, all, all, all the bad the, guys lost, and even. all the good guys won. Oh, what a triumph! Is there anything to read into them putting Native American Tatanka, you know, from the Indian reservations in the main event of a show in India? I reckon. I I reckon uh, no one would have realised apart from Cornet, and Cornet was probably laughing his head off. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I was looking up these shows as well, and there's no footage because it's 1996. Didn't take over any cameras or equipment. Um, and apparently, all I can find out about it is uh, India loves Bret Hart. Everyone apparently got the shits, and I did find some footage of Triple H looking at a cow in the street. So <laughs> that's about it. If you type in WWF India 1996, you'll just see some pictures of what the hell to eat with a cow. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, are you saying 30,000 is <clears throat> it's great any any year, but in 1996, that's phenomenal. It is. It really, really is. Um, Great result for them overall. Um, Bulldog tries to drive Diesel's head into exposed turnbuckle near the finish. Diesel counters it, hits a snake eyes on the exposed metal. Ref gets distracted by Cornette, and Yoko attempts a leg drop on Diesel, but Diesel moves because he's wily, Ooh. and Bulldog gets a meaty thigh instead. Meaty mm. thigh, man! Cover and three, and Diesel wins. Post-match, Cornette is livid with Yoko for being a stupid idiot. A brave man to say that to Yoko's face. Very brave man. Uh, yeah, so basically, so the, the, it's very fractious within Camp Cornet at the yeah. moment because uh, obviously there's, there's a lot of special attention for Vader, uh, but uh, Yoko, I feel like he's being singled out I, as I, an idiot. Yeah, throughout the show, I just feel a bit sorry for Yoko because he's not even snarling or being angry Yoko. He's just kind of standing there watching, goes to do his job, and through no fault of his own, he fucks up there. And everyone's like, oh, Yoko, you twat. So he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Swat? <laughs> Diesel moved out of the way. It's not like a tripped and fell onto him, bastard. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, <clears throat> like you're saying, okay match, not bad, not good. Did a job. You know, everyone looks good. Vince putting everything over. It was just character building. Yeah. Uh, the Observer writes, there is very much talk and or concern that either or both Diesel and Razor Ramon May go to WCW after their contracts expire. <laughs> That's bollocks. Oh. What bollocks? Of course they won't! The w- It'll be fine! They're WWF for life! For, 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 for life! For life. Why would they go and join a new world and order that? Yeah. It's not happening. Why would they go outside? I mean... Uh, I don't know. They've got Vince with them, you know... Yeah. They, they don't want to. They don't want to go over there and work for Eric Bischoff because we all know if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be selling meat from a wagon in Minneapolis. <laughs> Fucking yeah. yeah! Fucking hell! Same old Meltzer, always lying. <laughs> your shit. shit, and ah. you know your shit, your shit, shit. And, and you know your shit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Doc Hendricks <laughs> swaggers into the Slam Jam Studios. Living his best life is Dr. Tom, Dr. Doc. Um, he is all about <laughs> Dr. Doc, apparently. Um, it's all about In Your House, which is three weeks away, and the Steel Cage title match between Diesel and Bret Hart. Hart, Black Eye, and Big Eagle says he's lost respect for Diesel. He says the WWF isn't running on Diesel power, it's running on Hitman hit, hit power man now. Power. Fuck me, Brett. Um, I really want to. I really want to love you. Uh, Hart reveals he's never lost a steel cage match, which I didn't know. So, okay, Brett Hart lost several cage matches to Yoko on the nineteen ninety three house show loop. He lost a USWA cage match against Laura in nineteen ninety three. He lost several six man tag cage matches with Anvil and Honky Tonk Man against Strike Force and Randy Savage in nineteen eighty eight. One was televised, so he can spin it that he's never lost a televised singles cage match. But that's mm-hmm. it. So on TV, he lost one, which was a six-man in 1988. So from a certain point of view, Bret Hart's never lost a cage match. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Then. Mm. That makes some sense. Um, bring all you've got, you big dummy. No. So Bret Hart. Well done, mate. Excellent work. We teased Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart for the WrestleMania title shot and just added... A crybaby match between Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. The loser gets fed a baby bottle and has to put a nappy on. Observer. <laughs> there may be problems with this match. A, <laughs> apparently, both the kid and Razor Ramon were against doing it. Kid, extremely so, because he'll probably be the one to lose an end. Apparently, after the decision was made and Kid was informed, a combination of this and other things got him so depressed, he left the tour for a few days and missed a few shots, but did return on January 26th for MSG uh, and put over Duke Drozzi in a squash match. And then Sunday again, he was off the card in Philly. But like they said here, since they plugged the match on Raw, it appears it's going to happen. So yeah, the click are just like, this This makes one of our boys look shite. Mm. You don't want to be putting him in an appy with a bottle. <laughs> so, so I can't believe they suggest that Razor Ramon would be unhappy. He's going to stay there forever Absolutely. with the 1-2-3 kid. Sean Hopman's going to stay by his side in WWF. And 1-2-3 kid being unhappy with the creative direction and deciding to walk away. I don't think anything like that will ever happen again in the WWF. Ever. Certainly not in 2022. No. <laughs> Silly bollocks. 
Plus, also for the shoe, uh, Duke Drosy versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. This has been added after Hunter attacked Duke with the trash can, I believe, on Superstars. Yes. And cut his head. Yeah. Duke attempted a trash can attack on Hunter in return, but accidentally hit Hunter's jobber opponent. Now, the last time we saw Duke using the trash can as a weapon in a feud, um, there was some bother about it because WWF went through this really wanky period before you started doing this show, Jackie Orlando, in sort of early 95, where they went, we don't want to use weapons because we don't want anybody to replicate violence. Okay. So they had this feud where at one point Jerry Lawler hit Duke Drosy with his trash can. And for weeks, like, they just chastised Lawler for being so reprehensible. And, like, they really played it down. This was running into the same time where Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon were having the return ladder match. And the remit was, okay, you can have a ladder match, but you can't use the ladder as a weapon. You've got to have a regular match around right. the ladder. Yeah. And then they did this for a few months, and then they went, this is really shit. This is really difficult. Fuck it. Twatting with the bin. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this was my first time ever seeing Duke Drozzi while doing this podcast, because he's just not been featured on Raw at all. No, not for a long time. He was, I would say, he was in 1995, and then he's just sort of dipped away for a bit. So this is a, a bit of a return for Duke the Jumpster Drozzi onto uh, Monday Night Raw. Because we had all these all the vignettes and stuff for yeah. him starting. Do you know the story behind Duke Drosy about his journey into WWF? No, no. So um, Vince McMahon, in his pomp in 1994, said, um, give me a copy of PWI 500. Whoever's number 500, I'll make up a star. And there was uh, the Duke Drosy under a previous name. And Vince yeah. McMahon, him. Hire him. I'll make him a star. And Duke Drosy was born. Wow. That's a, a fun story. And, and, to, and you know what? Not a complete failure because he became a name wrestled, for a bit. Wrestled on the biggest, most critically lauded w, uh, yeah. uh, WrestleMania of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Competed at WrestleMania 11. Can't be that bad. Um, <clears throat> Doc Hendricks addresses the billionaire Ted business now. Hendricks reveals, as we talked about the other week, that Ted Turner actually loved the billionaire Ted skits. Yeah. He quite liked them, didn't he, Ted? Yeah. Did. yeah. But then they got sent a letter threatening legal action should the skits continue. From, was it this bit where it was a, an unnamed TBS executive? Mm. They were just like, oh, it's, it's, it's Vince versus Ted. But this, this TBS executive sent us a letter. Mm. Yeah, so there's a bit of that in there. Yeah. Doc Hendricks, quote, We here in the WWF stand ready to fight for our rights our company, and for you, our fans. And besides, you asked for it, so you got it. Let's get the latest from Billionaire Ted. So it, basically, the, 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 the image they're going for here is staring down the eye of a lawsuit for, for doing, taking the piss out of WCW. Yeah. They're like, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. Here's another one. And we cut now to the Billionaire Ted press conference. This is different to all the other Billionaire Ted things that we've done. These aren't like these sort of movie-esque vignettes. This is uh, like a hard cam press conference, highlight reel. It's Billionaire Ted, along with the Huckster, using a Zimmer to get onto the stage, <laughs> Scheme Gene, and the Nacho Man in front of gathered press. Nacho Man doing the finger to the air all the way through it. Uh, Ted says, contrary to what the WWF says, he is not a hillbilly and doesn't wear cheap suits. He then takes questions from the press. Is it true that you and your $4 billion conglomerate are trying to put the WWF out of business? He avoids the question. 
Is it true you provide double the programming of the WWF, but purposefully undercut their advertising rates? Dodges the question. Is it true that you put your primetime imitation of Raw against Raw to hurt the WWF? Oh, you're a smart guy. Avoid the question. Since you own networks, isn't it true that you could have placed your primetime wrestling show on another night? Oh, you're smart too. Avoids the question. Wouldn't the fans have preferred that? You really don't care about the fans. You're just trying to run the WWF out of business, aren't you? And Ted just masterfully avoids all these questions. Nacho Man is asked who is going to win in his match against the Huckster at WrestleMania. This is the first time they've officially announced that we are indeed getting the Huckster versus the Nacho Man at WrestleMania, but not as we know it. Huckster informs Nacho that it is in his contract that he never loses. (laughs) As Huckster and Nacho start to fight, in speech marks, he takes one more question. What wouldn't you do to put the WWF out of business? Ted says he wouldn't use his own money, which really upsets the Nacho man and Huckster for some reason. He looks like he's about to take a pasty and asks for his lithium to be continued on the screen. Well, that was a... Bit of a knockabout, bit of bollocks on it. <laughs> There's a lot in the Observer about this. So, like we were saying before we went into that, we were talking about the unnamed TBS executive and showed the letter on the screen saying, look, here's a copy of the letter. And at the bottom it says, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> so <laughs> so they are still just going, ignoring Bischoff and saying it's Vince versus... It's all Vince, and it's Vince versus the almighty evil leader of Turner. Oh, God. So here's... There's a chunk here, and I'll go... I'll be retreading some ground, but uh, while WWF and WCW agreed to participate in a show to promote peace and racial harmony on television, the level of cheap shots in the personal promotional war reached a record low. Dave says, WF clearly the aggressor, bringing up the letter from Eric Bischoff. The letter is referred to on several occasions and even shown once. They claim the same executive, brackets, whose name wasn't mentioned as they are positioning war the war is between poor little unfortunate Vince McMahon against the man with $4 billion who wants to run him out of business. Um, they're saying, you know, keep doing the skits, the phone call that we talked about last week after Bischoff was on his pump because they gave Raw a slap in the ratings. The WWF attempted to position themselves as not backing down from legal threats. It is expected this is a WWF strategy because since Turner owns the likeness to Hogan, Savage, and Ted Turner for licensing and marketing purposes, there's probably no way they'll be able to do that pay-per-view match. They could put it on free television as satire, but they can't use it for marketing purposes. If the Turner lawyers get the skit squashed at Mania, which there is a good chance, WWF will position it as the big bad billionaire's lawyers are keeping up uh, keeping up from giving you the product we want to entertain you with. Mm. So it's, it is it is a win-win for WWF. Uh, they were saying about the first thing that Ted says in it is, uh, I'm not a hillbilly and I don't wear cheap suits. <laughs> That's a good impression, actually. Thanks. Uh, it was This was phraseology from Titan's own planted item in the New York Daily News a few weeks ago that intended to imply that Turner is more concerned with the skits because of poor personal image rather than the steroid problem in the company that WWF are alleging. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's getting a bit like cat, a bit more catty. The line with the hooks are saying, it's in my contract that I never lose. 
which Dave says is be- they believe is the case and WWF knows it. They had a copy of Hogan's WCW contract to use if need be for cross-examination in the 1994 steroid trial. Since WF was given the option by his agreement with them of a right of right to match WCW's contract at the time. So Hogan basically, WCW went, Hogan, here's this. Hogan went to Vince and said, if you want to match it, you can. And Vince went, no. <laughs> you're, you're good, cheers. A lot of people were shocked that Vince McMahon would go to the lengths uh, that he did to imply on a wrestling TV show that is in a certain wrestler's contract regarding their right to never lose and basically says his competitors' match results were fixed and taking a personal jab at Turner regarding a medical affliction he suffers from with him saying, Jane, where's my lithium? Which I know oh. a, a lot of people are, failed to look up what affliction it was, but I, I think it was during the video we put out, which I... I believe it was written by Justin and voiced about Sam. It was the war stories. One yeah, it was. It was the great Justin Henry. Um, that Yeah, this was the one that they were just like, this is a bit low going after a man's health. Mm. And as you will let people know on the Nitro review coming up, Bischoff had kept quiet on Nitro for weeks because he thought, right, I'm not going to stoop to their level. But after this piece aired, he responded out of nowhere to those watching with a forget about events, go get a job in a pizza parlor. And him and Mongo McMichael threw loads of jabs at WF throughout the <laughs> show, saying Medusa was more of a man than Goldfarb, rather than Goldust. <laughs> and Eric said uh, she should have stayed in the WWF and taken on some of the men they have wrestling for him. Later on, The Observer... Dave writes another piece saying, the skits are only going to get nastier over the next few weeks. There was a strong implication made in a letter from WWF attorney Jerry McDevitt to Eric Bischoff on January 29th, claiming the skits were a response to WCW, repeatedly disparaging WWF, and over WCW's trademark and copyright violations, like using, you know, the renegade and saying, oh, there's the ultimate surprise coming. Um... And they were saying interference with contracted WCW performers, brackets, presumably Lex Luger. And, and it just says, complaints about Mark Madden. Just in general. <laughs> I'm not one to Sorry. defend the WWF uh, unnecessarily here. Yeah. But there's a fair point, and Bischoff needs to sit the fuck down. Because, Definitely. like, the... They were shouting out the results of Raw and, yeah. and calling it the Kitty Cat League and... You know, and Monday Night Snore and all of this stuff long before the Billionaire Ted stuff started. The Billionaire Ted stuff is a reaction yeah. to Bischoff being a cunt. The, the night that the first Billionaire Ted skit plays is the Raw Bowl night. Yes, yeah, yeah. And to which throughout that episode of Nitro, before the Billionaire Ted skits even aired, like he's, so he's referring to it as the Toilet Bowl. Oh, don't bother putting it on the Smoking Guns win it. You know, yeah. uh, the Kitty Cat League. The one thing I really find quite interesting about watching Nitro at this time is you're right there. You mentioned that it's Bischoff and it's Mongo who are just like, hey, WWF shit. <laughs> Bobby Heenan sat there. Bobby Heenan flat out refuses to insult the WWF whenever they kind of come to him as if to go, what do you make of that, Bobby? Bobby brings it straight back to what's happening in the ring, moves it straight onto storyline stuff, yeah. refuses to say anything disparaging about the WWF. He isn't biting on any of these bricks at this point. But, uh, and I think that's a really classy move by Heenan in amongst all of that nonsense. But on the contrary, it, I, I think it's mad that WCW legend Michael Hayes is like, ah, fuck WCW! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm... Uh, Completely with you. Bischoff had this coming. The only, like I said before, the only problem I've had is Vince McMahon saying, oh, poor little Vince, I yeah. love the wrestling industry. It's like, mm. 
He's, but that aside, he's well within his rights to have a pop. The lithium line, a bit far, but... There's a couple of things there that maybe, they, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't need to put in, and the, the segments will have still hit. They didn't yeah. need to make it mega personal the way they did. And as a kid, I was a massive Hogan fan, and as an adult, I'm an even bigger Savage fan than I was, and even I'm laughing at him saying <laughs> they are a bit old, aren't they? So, you, yeah, 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 you can appreciate, actually, these... There's a valid point there. Yeah. <laughs> they are old boys. Uh, back to the ring and back to the new generation. Of the... Uh, we have ourselves the body donner, Skip and Zip. Zip being Dr. Tom Pritchard. It's weird seeing Dr. Tom with blonde he hair. He looks terrible with that hair, doesn't Gosh, he? Gosh, <laughs> love him. Love him. Um, they're up against... Henry Godwin and Hillbilly Jim. Wait, no, not Hillbilly Jim competing. He's walking down to the ring with Henry Godwin, but they are introducing the world to a new Godwin. Phineas I. Godwin. Pig. Pig. Hog and pig. pig. The Godwin. The, the Porkman. And the Porkmans in the ring, Hillbilly Jim officially presents Phineas with his lucky horseshoe. This felt like a passing of the torch yeah. to Phineas Godwin. I'd, if I was Henry Godwin, I'd be like, where did I get the horseshoe? You, you can't see it in his eyes. Like, oh, yeah. Get the fuck. This Phineas I. Godwin is Dennis Knight, yes. making his Monday Night Raw debut. Known previously as WCW lower mid-card guy Tex Slazenger. Also previously in Memphis as Leatherface, a gimmick inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's lead character, where he feuded, of course, with Jerry the King Lawler. It's like national service. <laughs> At one point, he's best known for this aforementioned run as Tex Slazenger in the early 90s, even finding a tag team partner in Shanghai Pierce, a.k.a. Rob Van Dam. It's not Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Shanghai Pierce, Tex Slazenger's tag team partner, a.k.a. When you say Shanghai Pierce, is it an Asian gentleman? No. Okay, so I don't have a clue. Mark Canterbury, a.k.a. Henry Godwin. As Pierce uh, went to, as Shanghai Pierce went to the WWF to become a pig farmer, Tex went to the USWA, where he became Southern Champion twice, beating Brian Christopher. He's impressed the WWF higher-ups enough, and obviously, having uh, his old tag team partner, not only as a member of the WWF locker room, but also a signed-up, paid-up member of BSK, Bone Street Crew, brought him up in their AGM. See, now, I know we said we weren't going to open membership books, but uh, Brother Henry has uh, suggested he, he's vouched for a young man to come in. Oh, now, the thing is, uh, Henry, the thing is, is that we, we have to get this very special paper in. You know, it's that paper that we get from... What's the uh, news? The, the station stationery box. We get that special paper from stationery box, whereby you have to write on it, and there's a there's a thinner piece of paper underneath that copies it through. So we need that because we need to give you a copy, and we need a copy for our records. Now we've run out of that paper, which is why we're not taking on new members at the moment for that reason. I did. I, I passed. I passed a, a John Menzies on the way here. Though. Yep. That's, well, I hope he didn't buy any because it has to go through the official. Oh. The, it has to go. Oh, for fuck's sake! It has to go through petty cash. We can't. I can't refund. If I refund you, it's gonna. It's gonna go through next month's money. So you'll get that one pound nine back, probably like August, because it'll have to go through the next month's money as well. And it just—it's the thing is, I tell you what's pissed us off, Mark. 
is that you know, you've been here long enough now. You know the process. And we can't just be willy-nilly buying stuff for the club because it messes up all our finance. Our finances are very balanced. We haven't got a lot. We, we, did, that other thi- we did that thing last week where we changed from a two-pinter to a four-pinter of milk. Believe me, we're still feeling the ructions from that because one of those bottles went off. Have we still got enough in the kitty for Blamange night? Yes, we, we have far too. Okay. Don't worry. We're still the Blamange might that hasn't changed. I'm not talking about things that have changed. I don't oh oh get me my lithium. Um sit down, sit down, don't worry, I'll take it from me. Right, what we're saying we know he's a lovely lad. We know you can I know, but him, it's not it's, about it's a it's about the, the process that we have to do. Paul's a stickler for the process. And if I am a stickler for the process, and if we change the process for one, we're going to have to change... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm raising... It's been a tough week. I'm raising my voice. Don't worry. Paul, don't worry. <sighs> As the sign says... What? <laughs> I never usually lead these things. <laughs> I shit me pants. Watch, Watch out... out. Here, Here comes, comes Mother Teresa to give us all the necessary papers for backgammon championships. You're right. It does say that. I feel much better. But that's how... Uh, Phineas got in. They put it through petty cash in the end. It didn't. It turned out to be not as big a problem as people thought. So that was good. Yeah. Well, Henry doesn't usually upset the apple cart, so they thought, do you know what? Everyone gets one. So last time he upset the apple cart, they had to buy a new apple cart, and that came out of petty cash as well. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we have a wrestling match. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, zip attack. <laughs> zip attacks Henry. Um, <laughs> Zip attacks Henri from behind when he attempts to press slam Skip. He takes the lead early in this match. Sonny tries to flirt with Hillbilly Jim and he offers her a slot bucket in return. That's how we do it in Worcestershire. Phineas gets the hot tag and swings wildly. I like Phineas's offense in this period where he'll get a hot tag and he'll just be swinging his fists yeah. around like a... And he's massive, is Phineas Godwin. Oh, fuck so That's terrifying. That in dungarees coming at you like Cleopatra. Um, <laughs> Hank pulls Zip out of the ring. Phineas hits the slop drop, slop drop for the win. Sonny gets caught in a dosy do celebration before scurrying away in horror. She looks terrified at the prospect of a square dance. She's like, oh, <laughs> so you're just flirting with Hillbilly Jim? And Hillbilly Jim, I mean, you're not getting a better offer. Why did you threaten to slop her? <laughs> Silly man. He was offering slop. That's how you do it. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, basic tag match put over the new teams, filler, but it's a new yeah, act. Yeah, it was, you know what? I don't mind the Godwins. No. I think it's a nice way to, to mix up Henry Godwin. I think he's kind of hit a, a, a window, a hit, yeah. a, hit a ceiling as um, as a singles guy. So why not bring in another yeah, Godwin no and make a champ? And also, it's a guy that he's worked with before, Tech Slizinger at Shanghai Pierce. They've got history. They've got chemistry. <laughs> Shanghai Shanghai Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> Shanghai Pierce, a massive white guy from, probably, I assume, the southern states of America. <laughs> Very likely. Next week, uh, holy shit, Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the WWF title. Wonderful. 
We then get a... That's amazing. We got a video package on Vader next as well. So it's just, it's ramping up. Mm, Especially yes. with what you're saying. Brett Harvest, take again. Next week, that's happening. Yeah. We do get an update on Vader's suspension now after a recap of the Rumble and Vader's attack on Gorilla Monsoon before cutting to Clarence Mason and Jim Cornette. Clarence, who is the legal beagle yeah. for Camp Cornette, says he has a good case for self-defense on Vader's part. <laughs> Because Monsoon was coming at him with the chops. Yeah. Um, and has a motion to quash and vacate the proceeding, as well as a temporary injunction looking to move the civil action, move to civil action if Vader's suspension is not lifted. There is a P.O. box address for people who want to send get well soon messages or poos in a bag to Gorilla Monsoon. And as Dave said in the Observer, it was like... Poos in a bag were plentiful. So many. They were just like, tell Gorilla he's a shit in a bag. <laughs> Down my kid there. Um, no. this, this was this is a classic uh, little trickery by the WWF oh, yeah. to to get catalogs out to people. Definitely it's brilliant. You are signed up for life after this. There's no. What was the? Oh God! What was the shit? GDPR. Yeah. yeah. No GDPR in 1996. The, the the only GDPR in 1996 was good. Don't, Don't post, post rubbish. rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Although back then it was good, do post rubbish. And um, post poos. Yes. Yeah. Uh, after the break, Vince McMahon with his big announcement. Shane's not here. Shane's not here. Shane's not here. It was that, it was that r- basketball player that he announced that one time. It's Tony Khan. <laughs> you know what I mean. When a Tony Khan does that announcement, he goes, I just remember when he did it for Little Uzi Vert. He's like, Let's do my <laughs> just kind of like a bit like Kermit. Like, ah! <laughs> He's like Kermit the Frog, isn't he? <laughs> Yay! It's the Dynamite Show with tonight's special guest, Keith Lee. Yay! <laughs> it's the Muppet Show with tonight's special guest, Antonio Inoki. Yay! It's the Muppet Show with tonight's guest, Vince McMahon. <laughs> I actually just said the Muppet Show. So imagine Vince on the Muppet Show. That'd be amazing. That'd be so good. Um, (laughs) So Vince's big announcement. um, Gorilla Monsoon has chosen his stand-in while he convalesces. So the stand-in president of the World Wrestling Federation is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Bagpipes play. Loud cheers all round. Piper is here, and he looks like he's having a lovely time. Yeah. It's great to see Piper looking very healthy here. Great shape. Huge reaction, because fucking Roddy Piper, of course, gets a huge reaction. (laughs) Piper has some fun at Vince's expense, knowing that they're playing the game on this, saying, so am I your boss? You've got to call me Mr. President. (laughs) He bounces around the ring with glee at this. Piper says that the locker room is scared to death with Piper as president, reminding us that he's mixed it up with Cindy Lauper and Mr. T in the past. He puts over the new WWF generation, though, promising to straighten out the roster. No government shutdown when I'm president. Newt Gingrich and Newt can't have kids. I've got six kids. So that's a good bit. Uh, Piper pulls out the rules from his sporran. Vince reminds him, you never liked the rules, Roddy. To which he then puts them back. <laughs> I do like that. He's like, oh, yeah. Piper assures the fans that they're in good hands with Roddy. And as for the superstars, everybody's got to pay the Piper. And you're no different, Vince. As he picks up Vince and airplane spins him. This was joyful. I liked this. I, I've put it, it was long-winded and rambling, but that's Piper. That's his that's character. That's his shit. 
kid. Let me tell you, McMahon, you're a good kid. You're a good kid, McMahon. Like um, talking off mic because he's like yeah. talking and forgets. Oh, wait, I need this to talk to. In terms of story beat, it's great. It'll bring back lapsed fans because it's Roddy Piper. Mm. Everyone's always loved Roddy Piper. And it's also, it makes WWF a bit more unpredictable. Now you've got like... Lawler says, like, oh, God, the lunatics are running the asylum. Yeah. So, great. yeah, this fucking, yeah. And he'll set and he'll set WrestleMania on course for a history-making match. Can't wait. <laughs> right. Um, cut to black. We come back from a, a break. We have a shot of a very smoky room and a close-up on the side of a face and an ear, but no ordinary ear. It's a very gnarled very mangled ear that we see. And a screechy voice says the following. So many of life's questions remain unanswered. Why is the sky blue? What happened to my ear? What are so? Why are so many people so frightened of me? I don't know. Have a nice day. Vincent Mann doesn't know who this is, but Jerry Lawler informs us that he thinks he's heard that his name is mankind. Shit the bed. Or to quote what you've put in your notes, <laughs> fucking yes, you cunt. <laughs> Jackins is on his way around on the Patreon to show you his notes for this particular bit that do indeed say, fucking yes, you cunt. I thought, I think can we get it. Yeah. They've got it. Fucking yes, you cunt. Mick Foley is in the WWF at the request of Jim Ross, yeah. who has been watching Mick Foley's work for a long time. He really, really badgered Vince McMahon to get Mick Foley in. He, and Vince, eventually, Vince caves. Vince takes some real convincing. He doesn't see any star power in Mick Foley. But Jim Ross really goes to bat for him on multiple occasions. And Vince agrees to, okay, maybe bring him in as a lower mid-card A good guy. hand in the mid-card. A good <laughs> fucking hand in the mid-card. Another good hand in the mid-card for Vince McMahon. Uh, but Vince Vince doesn't like the look of Mick Foley. Thinks he's an ugly man, kind. So um, an outfit is is created with some assistance from Mick Foley uh, for a new persona that is far removed from Cactus Jack. Yes, Vince yes. does not want Cactus Jack on the books. This is the end of Cactus Jack for some years now. Um, but he wants something that's very different. So they kind of come up with this um, sort of almost like uh, Igor-esque monster with a, a leather mask that covers the majority of the face. Yeah. Uh, initial um, initial drafts of this gimmick uh, have a name written underneath it. Remember what that name was? Mason the Mutilator. Mason the Mutilator was the original name to which Mankind was not happy about. He didn't like, no. especially the Mutilator part. Um, it was eventually agreed that he would become Mankind the Mutilator. And then later, the mutilator bit was dropped yeah. to just mankind. But even in this edition of The Observer, Dave believes that his ring name is going to be the mutilator, even though mm. Jerry Law said his name's mankind. But obviously, they were really they really like the mutilator part, I guess. <laughs> but the the early sketches that I can remember from Foley's first book, it looks more like Abyss than what would mm. end up being mankind. So. Mm. But, oh, God, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some early Mankind. I've only ever seen bits and bobs of early Mankind's run, so, like, the big beats, the in-your-house appearances, etc. I've never actually, like, s like watched week by week as the character grows, so I'm really looking forward to that. And we will do very, very oh, soon. fucking yes. He gets pretty much straight in there with The Undertaker as well. A little yeah. spoiler. Like, they don't really waste much time in putting him in a high-profile feud, which is surprising when yeah. Vince wanted him as a good hand in the mid-card. Yeah. Vince, obviously, you know, it's better to be happy than right. 
glad he changed his mind because we got, you know, God, one you, of the best in history. One of the best in history, one of the biggest stars of the biggest period, multiple time world champion, multiple characters, Hall of Famer, loved by all. Mm. Yeah. Great times. Yeah. We come to our main event of Monday Night Raw. Main event. It is Shawn Michaels taking on former WWF champion Yokozuna. Now, we had Yoko versus Razor Ramon a few weeks back, and it didn't really scan. No. So I was intrigued going into this one, how we would do. Um, classic yays and boos to start the match. This feels very much like a family-friendly main event of a of a, of a house show tour at this point. Yeah. Yoko overpowers Sean early on. Uh, Sean ends up rocking, knocking Yoko with some right hands out of the ring and then mocks Zuda with some sumo taunts. Starts high-fiving fans at ringside. He's having a good time. Owen Hart heads ringside to pep talk Yoko. After the break, Michaels lands a moonsault onto Yoko for Gorgeous. a two count. Gorgeous. Perfectly done. Yoko rallies and hurls Sean from the ring. Outside, Owen attacks, driving Sean into the ring post. And Yoko locks in the devastating nerve hold and just sits there for a bit. Sean bravely pushes up and fights out. After the break, Michaels is dodging a Yokozuna leg drop, but misses a top rope splash on the comeback trail. The ref gets distracted by Cornette. Owen attempts a spinning wheel kick, but Michaels ducks and it hits Yoko. Michaels hits the sweet chin music on Yokozuna and gets one, two, three on Yoko. Now, low key, a massive win for Sean Michaels. Oh yeah. Low key, a massive win. This is... A top move for him. Owen, Yoko, and Cornette are bickering post-match uh, with, again, Yoko seemingly getting the, the thick end of the wedge yeah. here. O Owen angry for Shawn Michaels moving out of the way of his kick. <laughs> it's like, oh, poor Yoko. That's why I was like, poor Yoko. Yoko's there just like, I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> but don't worry. Peacekeeper man is here. All good <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Can't fuck down. You know you've got a problem when Bulldog is the level-headed one. <laughs> yo, yo. You and you, make up, or no, no Beano, no Dandy. <laughs> Bastards, I'll have both. You can both read Topper. <laughs> no, I'll take your Wizard and Chips yeah! annual, and I'll put it in bin. Wizard and, Wizard and Chips get an odd. Fucking love Wizard and Chips. <laughs> None of you are getting any comics tonight. Uh, they decide, all three of them, to turn their attention to Michaels, to which Diesel makes his way to the ring. And there's a cute bit as Diesel gets into the ring to back up Shawn Michaels. All of a sudden, Shawn Michaels is filled with the bravery of 10 men, maybe 10 men in Syracuse. And he just starts doing like a boxing shuffle towards the three who are now backing up because Diesel's there. Twat. He is a twat. <laughs> Cornette speaks to McMahon, reassuring them that there is no dissension in the ranks of Camp Cornette. Says everybody is working like a Swiss watch, maybe a Rolex and proposes a tag team match for Raw next week. Yoko and Bulldog versus Sean and Diesel. The dudes with attitude accept. Sean and Diesel go off the air. Now, they go off the air sort of like sizing up Camp Cornette, yeah. but it looks as if they're doing the old Edge and Christian five-second pose <laughs> as they're doing so, because they've got like karate poses going on. And it looks like they're doing a five-second pose, which is a nice little throw forward. What do you think of the main event? Good match. Um... As I've got here, Sean is great. I just hate the character, but he's, you can't deny how good he is in no. the ring. Uh, Yoko did what Yoko does. No complaints. Um, it's building up the storyline with Camp Cornette. It's, again, a giant, more giant killing from Sean on his way to Brett. He's like he toppled the former two-time champion Yoko, the man who beat Brett at WrestleMania. Mm. So it's, they're hitting all the beats perfectly. 
Your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was like a, it felt like a. It, I feel like in another time period, this could have been a much bigger main event. Yes. Like like the, I've maybe a Sean as champion being challenged by Yoko with a couple of weeks build would have been a nice in your house match. Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't know whether because Yoko's stock might have fallen quite a bit since his heyday, yeah. and they're obviously building towards uh, you know an inevitable turn for Yokozuna, uh, which will be expedited soon. Um, but I thought it was a fine main event to Raw. Yeah. Really good. Like, again, a big... It's Regardless of whether he's on the rise or on the fall, that's a big dub for HBK. Yes, definitely. That's, a, that's, a, that's one in the pocket ahead of uh, ahead of WrestleMania around the corner. Definitely, yeah. Um, overall, decent Raw. Yeah, not as good as last week. No. Still strong. The, the matches were, apart from the main event, they were unimportant, but the building towards In Your House and Mania, mm-hmm. they brought Roddy Piper back. And fucking mankind's coming. It's we 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 seem to be in a strong little little period. So I'm a big fan of because obviously sit on both sides. I think I've said this before. There is such a laser focus with the WWF. Yeah, like they know where they're going and they're going there, and you don't get that on Nitro. <laughs> Yeah. It is just like I feel like every twenty minutes you're just like you're, you're by the seam of your pants on Nitro, not in a, always in a good way. But with Raw, there is clearly like they know the direction they're going to go that way. Uh, you might like it, you might not, but that's where we're going. It might be a crybaby match, it could be an Iron Man match. Regardless, they're going that way, and I kind of admire that 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 method of just like we're not going to be rocked yeah. by the ratings. We might pivot slightly for the left to the right, but we've got a focus. Shawn Michaels is going to be the guy that leads the company. We're going to get in there. We're not going to rush anything. We're not going to panic book anything. This is where we're going. And yeah. I like that. I do like that. Which which you just wish WWF would do more. Yeah, I really wish they, they didn't book sort of week to week as much as they do now. And they were a lot more, um, a lot braver like they were here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because like you said, they're, they're, taking, they're putting all stock in Shawn Michaels and... Like you said, the stuff with Vader last week, and at this point in time, he's not even fully signed on. Mm. They're just like, fuck it, let's let's do it. We're, we're, we're at war. Let's go for it. Let's go to war. Uh, that is uh, the classic Raw review for this week. What you got on? Coming into June now. Yeah, it's this this big thing I'm working on is going to take me the rest of the year. Oh, wow. It's... Yeah, but I've got I've got more time off coming up, so I'm here, there, and everywhere. So, <laughs> well, got more time off. Yeah, well, it's the the week this goes out will be the end of this week is the Champions League final. So oh. I'm going back home again. Of course, I am. Uh, are you going to watch the game, or are you going to be just around friends watching the game? Around friends watching the game. It cost me thousands to get to Paris, but yeah. going home for it just because when we won the league in 2021. Um, for the first time since it was like one year, one or two. I was on my own in Gateshead and lockdown. I was like, this is good, but, you know, I want to be around me dad yeah, and my mates. Yeah, you're going to be near your friends and all that so stuff going on, don't you? I'm going home for that weekend, and now on the Sunday there's going to be a trophy parade. If Liverpool win the Champions League, the Champions League will be there. If they don't, then it'll be for the cups we've acquired so far. And then I'm going to have to have a nap. And then it's double or nothing that night. So I'm going to work, I'm working double or nothing from my mum's kitchen and then come back to the northeast on Monday afternoon. Uh, I should be doing live reactions for double or nothing. Yeah. Which I'm intrigued by. I've got family coming to stay. And then on the Sunday, they're heading off. So I could just have a little sleep before. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh, my brother. And uh, when we'll have a lovely weekend together, and then once he's gone, I'm like, right, I'm gonna get my head down because then I'm gonna probably crack open a bottle of wine and watch Double or Nothing with you. You, that's it, via our YouTube channel. We'll do live reactions and have a lovely time. And if I you... got, ve- I had, I had two bottles of wine 
When, I don't know what I've not drank wine since. But for the last AEW show, and I did live reactions. I had a, I had two bottles of wine with me. Who do you think you are? Awesome Wild. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make wine <laughs> until it's time. Ah, this is the French. <laughs> I might be awesome. The Teddy Bouquet. <laughs> Why not find out on Sunday if I become awesome? Well, it'll be the best. <laughs> and until we are next together for more of this nonsense, he is at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. And again, I'm at on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Happy birthday, John Eiley! Unless it's not your birthday, in which case we mean it twice as much. <laughs> love you, bye! Love you, bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.